0: But most radio DJs, they all talk like this. And a lot of them, too, they, like, talk all the time like this. Hey, bro, what's up? You know, and the agent's like, get the hell out of my agency because none of my clients want a radio DJ.
1: Podcast Junkies, episode number 14. So for today's show, I've got a treat for you if you are at all interested in radio broadcasting, the history of it, what goes on behind the scenes, how they figure out to uh, play all these these songs and these uh, radio mixes, and, and why they seem to only be playing the same 10 every time, which absolutely drives me crazy. I get the answers to those questions from Tyson Webb, over 20 years of experience. An interesting tidbit uh, as far as the jobs he's had in radio you'll be surprised at how long he's actually been doing this and how young he was when he got started it's a fascinating story we geek out a little bit on Star Wars towards the end and man he is truly a fanboy he's just got an overall enthusiasm and energy that's really contagious and he does a fantastic job of keeping that up throughout the whole interview and uh, he's got some interesting things coming up and he's got some interesting thoughts on the future of podcasting from a radio broadcaster's perspective so enjoy the show so tyson webb thank you for finding the time in your super hectic schedule <laughs> what's so, up eric to make it onto podcast junkies
0: I'm excited to be here, dude. Yeah. I love your I love your podcast.
1: Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate that. Coming from a radio personality such as yourself, that's uh... I love how yeah, <laughs> no, I love how
0: laid back it is, dude. And it's just it's just like being a fly on the wall, and I love that kind of uh, format.
1: Yeah, I started with. Um you know, what, what we learn uh, as, we, as we start to be, you know, go through podcasting and tutorials and all this sort of stuff. And they give you the template to start with and they say, you know, do this. And, and I think what they want to do is make you feel comfortable and give, yeah. you, give you some instructions and some guidelines. And then I think it's up to you to take it um, in another direction or take it and add your own personality.
0: Absolutely, no, the more you do it, I mean you really need to find your voice, right, and the more you practice, the more you interview the the more that'll come about, and you 'll find your voice so um those who who stay to a script and uh, and continue week after week, i think it i think' they're, you know i think there's audience fatigue there
1: yeah, so it was interesting um because i I was, I was looking forward to this conversation because i was I listened to your interview with Chris Arone, and uh,
0: <laughs> which one we had kind of a, the dueling like the uh, yeah,
1: you guys the, went back the and pod- forth, the,
0: yeah, the uh, the syndicated podcast one, and then there was the first one,
1: I think it's the one w- uh, where he interviewed uh, you on his show,
0: oh, yeah, yeah, the syndicated one, yeah,
1: yeah, so that was that was great because I, I always like talking to people who have been in broadcasting. I interviewed uh, Jeff Brown, oh, and, yeah, and um, he's as, as, as you do as well, he's got a fantastic uh, radio voice. And <laughs> w- w- what I wanted to ask about that, it was, it was something that, that struck me this morning. Does that voice come over time? Because it's not like you're 16 years old and you get on the mic and you're like, hello, this is Tyson Webb.
0: Well, um, I think it comes with practice. Like uh, This is just my voice, though. I'm, yeah. I'm naturally an upbeat guy. And I think being on the radio for so many years has, has taught me to to maybe talk like this, you know. But um, – because you have to be upbeat on the radio, right? You don't want to get on there and be like, uh, it's 1019 at the end, and here's the pesh Mode. <laughs> you know, people are going to be like, tune out. You suck.
1: Um, yeah. Are you – so it's interesting because are you are – you, do you have to feel like you have to uh, compensate for the energy uh, that is – that is not there because you're not next to the person so you kind of have to kind of just go extra so you know obviously these people are probably sitting in traffic on their commute right, or something like that
0: yeah no it's you know what we we, it's kind of the same in voiceover when you're in front of a mic it's all about acting right uh and the mic is very true to um you know just picks up exactly what you put out your cadence and everything and if you listen to yourself talk amongst your friends or whatever I mean you kind of talk like this and it's kind of you know, being in front of somebody is—it's—it's—it's it's, it's okay when you're talking like this, but if you're only listening to them, it gets really boring really fast. Okay. Does it make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, of course. And so the more you can fluctuate and just put a—I tell people to put a smile on your face and then talk. Yeah. Just be happy. Put a smile on your face and then talk through that smile, and you're going to be right there. We always say in radio that. When you're to the annoying level uh, in a normal conversation, you're perfect where you need to be on the on the air.
1: Does that make sense? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So
0: so so, like you think you're thinking, oh, man, I'm like 30, 50 percent above where I need to be. This is way over the top. That's exactly where you need to be on the air.
1: Yeah, since that's yeah similar. To, I guess with I, I took a little bit of acting years years ago, and and you kind of uh, you know obviously for stage different mm-hmm. than for camera, but you kind of have to overcompensate because you think yeah. you think you're overdoing it to your point, but you're not when you, you look at it from the audience's perspective.
0: Exactly, and especially when you're on stage and the audience is separated by however many feet, right? And you've yeah. got to be that big, kind of flamboyant, big personality for them to keep stay interested.
1: Do you find yourself? Uh, do you can you slip into and out of that personality pretty easy, or do you find your, you catch yourself doing it when you're talking to friends and you're you're not on air?
0: No, I mean if we were just gonna be talking on the street, it wouldn't be like, hey man, what's <laughs> up? <laughs> you, you know, I'd be like, hey Ari, what's going on today? Blah yeah, blah yeah, blah. Yeah, but uh, I can turn it on and off. When I get in front of a microphone, it's automatic on just because I've been doing it for, for so long.
1: That's what's so fantastic about your story because so for the folks listening, this is basically the only job you've ever had.
0: Yeah, no, uh, the radio is the only job I've ever had. Full-time job. Yeah. I did work part-time for about six months at a toy store. Yes. During the Christmas season. That was fun. (laughs) And then I did have a very short stint before the toy store at a, um, do you know what stick them up? Not stick them up. A hot hot dog on a stick is. Is
1: that
0: like a... It's like a fast food. They, yeah, they deep fry, hot you know, corn. they make corn dogs. Corn dogs. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Okay. So it was like a, a one-off of that. Somebody had worked for that company and started their own company called Stick 'em Up, and I worked there for like I don't know four or five months. And I was like, oh, "This is way too damn greasy."
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't do this. And so I went to the and all the while I was um, <clears throat> I was breaking into radio. I was working for free at that point. I was being a producer. I was you know hanging around the station when I wasn't at work. And I remember my boss at Stick 'em Up, that fast food place, said, um, "You know, it was in the mall, and she's like." so you you go to the radio station? I'm like, yeah, I'm an intern and you know I'm going to be on the air one day. And she's like, no, you're not. You're never going to be on the radio. I was like, really? I think it was the next day that I quit. I was like, screw you. I'm totally <laughs> going to be on the radio. Who are you to say that I can't live my dream?
1: Yeah, you're like, yeah, I'll show you.
0: Yeah, and I did because I actually came back. It was, I think, three months. Late. No, it, it, uh, it was less than a year later. I don't remember how long, but it was less than a year later and I actually came by, gave her my, my business card and was like, if you want to ever do any radio advertising, I can hook you up with somebody, but here 's my jock you know <laughs> business card. I made it suck that
1: yeah, exactly um, so it was Gary Michaels that gave you your break right
0: yeah, well you 've done a little bit of uh, research <laughs> yeah, Gary Michaels is uh, a <clears throat> cool dude he um, He was the son of the program director who's kind of the overall boss of a radio station, and um so i've been i 've been really. Uh, Looking to get in, I, I had called all the radio stations. They all said, you know, hey, kid, come back when you're in college. You're, you know, you're 14 and a half, almost 15 years old. Come back in a few years when, you know, we can legally hire you and we can actually train you or something like that. And uh, I was kind of bummed, but I wouldn't I wouldn't take no for an answer. So one night I was listening to a radio station and uh, this guy came on. I was hanging out with a friend. It was like one in the morning. He sounded kind of young and it's funny that his name is Brandon Young. And uh, I called him on. I called him. And uh, we had a conversation. I ended up asking him how how old he was. He's like, oh, I'm like 16. Uh, I'm like, dude, I totally <laughs> want to be on the radio. I'm almost 15 years old. And he's like, well, my dad is business partners with the guy who owns this radio station, but I'm sure you can do it. I'm like, hell yeah, I can do it. If you can be on the air at 16, I can be on the air too. And so that gave me the drive to not give up. And um, I kept on kind of plugging away. And one day, um, one of my friends or acquaintances uh, from school, we were in the same class together, and, and we were assigned for some reason. She was assigned to do overhead announcements at school. And so she wanted to pre-record and make them professional, and she was kind of a radio groupie for this one radio station called Kissin' 97. She would call all the time, one of those listeners that just calls and requests songs and talks to the DJs and will never get off the phone. One of those, but, you know, if it's late at night or whatever, the jock usually entertains that because he's bored. Nobody else is calling so she was one of those people, and Gary was the person that she was talking to. And so um, she called him up and said, hey, I need to do these school announcements. Can I bring a few kids up, and can we do them at the radio station? And he being nice It's just like, yeah, whatever, come on up. So she brought me up to run the equipment because I, I did like the sound and stuff like that for the school plays. And uh, if you've ever seen a radio board, it's super easy to run. It's not that hard.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it, just, it, it, just, was, it just looks complicated, right?
0: Yeah, it's just it has a lot of buttons and lights on it. But the ones that are actually on the, the the on-air board, there's like three or four buttons on top of each pot, which is the slider, and then an on-off button and the slider. And that's it. So a Monkey could run it. You you push it up to a certain place on the board. You hit the on button, you're on the air. So it's not that hard. So I went and ran that. Uh, in, in the production room was right through some glass um, from the on-air studio. And so it was an exact replica of the on-air studio. So I just ran the board, and we recorded our stuff. And, you know... um, my dad hung out with with Gary while we were in there. And they were talking the entire time. And my dad was like, yeah, my show must be on the air or something. And when we were done with this whole school recording thing, um, Gary actually asked me. He's like, so I hear you want to be on the radio. I was like, yeah, man, it's my dream. Thank you for letting me come up here. This is awesome. Uh, you know, it, if I had a cell phone back there, I totally would have done a selfie with the board and everything. But I'd like, "Whoa, check it out. <laughs> but yeah. I didn't think to bring a camera. That's funny. So, he was, yeah, he was totally gracious and said, "Listen, if you if you're that dedicated, and you've been trying." I told him how I've been trying for almost a year, and everybody, including his station, said, "Come back." Was when I was in college, uh, he's like, well, "Let's just bypass the front desk." And my dad's the boss of the station, so why don't you come up and and train with me? And I was like, "Sweet, thanks,
1: dude." Yeah, that's such an awesome story. Um, and uh, I, I remember you, you t- touching on parts of that when you were talking to to Chris. Um, I think what what's what's interesting for me is that. The, the fact that you keep saying that you knew you wanted to be on the radio and you're 15 years old. Yeah. Do you think – a lot of people want to do a lot of things when they're 15 years old. Like, you know, I want to be a fireman. I want to be an astronaut. And, you know, you want to be – why do you remember, you know, in terms of – if I say go back into your mindset at that point in time, you're 15 years old. You you're thinking about it more from the fun perspective, or these are the the, the people that are entertaining folks uh, on the other side of this black box?
0: Yeah, well yeah, the whole thing came about I love music. I don't play any instruments really well. I'm I'm trying to learn guitar.
1: <laughs> Should
0: have should've started a long time ago. But <laughs> I don't play any instruments, but I love music. Music fills me. And I and I you know, just laying on my bed one Saturday morning. I'm a radio guy. I mean, I love listening to the because of the music. And um, just this light bulb went off in my head when the DJ came on um, and I, I thought to myself, that's what I'm going to do. I want to play music for a living and I, I want to, you know, be on the radio and entertain people. I'm totally going to do that. And from that time forward, that was, you know, it was stuck in my mind and I knew that was exactly what I wanted to do because, you know, that music fills me. I've been really lucky in my career to be able to continue that that path and only work at stations that um, that I enjoy the music you know that i was playing if i were to, if i ever had to go to like a classic rock station or an oldie station or something or a country station i would have quit a long time ago yeah but i've been really lucky i started out in pop music and then moved to alternative and and uh yeah so i guess at a young age it was just the 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 will that you know that's exactly what i wanted to do and it it meant something to me and so i wanted to to do that for a living
1: yeah it's interesting. i I can relate a little bit because i've I've been a dj of like electronic music and house music for over 20 years so you
0: were real dj <laughs> yeah. you actually mix i just hit buttons and play you know what pre produced stuff so yeah. that's awesome you've got the skills
1: so i learned on vinyl and uh i've got my i've still got my uh turntables here that i they lug around every time we move you're like wiki 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 yeah exactly <laughs> but, but it's interesting i can relate to that because i remember i literally remember the day i walked into a party and i saw a friend of a friend behind the two turn behind the decks, if you will. And he was, he was like in charge of the whole party. Like he was controlling the party. Like what he was, what he was doing was influencing the folks on the floor. And I I just found that so, so fascinating. And uh, the fact that he could do that and just by. By changing like a record, putting on a slow jam, you Mm -hmm. just bring it down on you know for a a couple of tracks and then bring it back up. I I just yeah, he
0: held the he held the tone of the entire party,
1: right? Yeah, he held the tone, and I was like, yeah. So it was that same feeling because I was like, yeah, I want to do that. So
0: it's funny after I had that little epiphany the Saturday morning, like listening in my room. Um, I haven't told anybody this yet. So the radio station I I listened to was called ninety eight point seven KCPX, and um. At the actual station, there's this huge window that is off the street. It's in a like a small business park, so you can drive into the business park. But off of that main street uh, is this big window that looked right into the to the radio station, to the studio, full on. And so I made my dad drive me down to KCPX on Saturday morning, right? Yeah. And I had my little Sony Walkman with me. So I had the radio. I had my like earphones so I could listen to the radio. And... My dad stayed in his car and I got out of the car and I was seriously two feet away from that window, like peering, staring down the DJ and just being in awe, watching him work for, he looked at me a few times, but he let me stay there for 15 minutes before he finally came out. I think I was freaking him out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My dad, like, you know, who's this guy in the car and why is this kid just like staring at me? Uh, I finally came out and was like, "Uh, can I help you? I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, let me just tell you, I want to be in radio really bad. Uh, you have a window it's, it's into the radio station and I'm in awe. And I'm, I just, I, can I just watch you? And he's like, um, you kind of making me nervous, dude, to be honest <laughs> with you. Why don't you come back on Monday and I'll give you a tour of the radio station. And I was like, done deal. Thanks, dude. Yeah. Persist. The funny thing is, yeah, I know. Funny thing is I came. So I made an appointment, came in with the, the receptions, came in on, on the Monday after school and he totally forgot about it. He was like, oh yeah. I told you to come back. I just thought you'd never come back. And I was like, no, man, I want to be in radio. Yeah. Exactly. So he actually, yeah. So he t- actually took me through the station and let me, you know, showed me the board and showed me the, the studio I was peering into from the glass and stuff.
1: Yeah. He's, he's you're like, what, what part of me wanting to be on radio? Did you not understand? Yeah.
0: <laughs> the thing is, I got, I, the, this is before I met Gary. So, um, I got lined up to be a producer there. They were like, all right, well we can kind of use your help. We can't really pay you cause you're too young, but." it's cool with your dad, whatever you can come and help out. And we can start teaching you a little bit about the business. And I was like, sweet. And the first day, the day I was supposed to start my, my, um, my internship there, the radio station changed formats from mm. CHR top 40 to like a hot AC that played like stuff that I hated. <laughs> <clears throat> like it was old people music. And, um, I remember walking in cause they did it at 10 o'clock. And that was when my, 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 I was supposed to show up so I was in the lobby at 9.30 there early listening to the station and there's a bunch of stuff going on people running back and forth and when they change formats of a radio station nobody has a clue like upper management has a clue that's it none of the jocks have a clue because they bring them in and they fire them pretty much because they f- start fresh it's like a brand new painting right Yeah. so all of the old usually is done away with so all the jocks are let go All the some of the lower end management's let go and they're replaced in an instant and so the guy that I was going to be producing with, um, he was like, go. wow. And so I saw him on the way out and he's like, hey, are you Tyson? I'm like, yeah. He's like, hey, I'm Mick. I'm like, hey, Mick, when are we going to get going? He's like, do you hear that right there on the in, in speakers? I'm like, yeah. Kind of, Is that a new station? He's like, yeah, it's a new station. And it's on 98.7. It's my old station. I was just fired. They just changed formats. And I was like, son of a no. <laughs> I was like, come on. This is I'm sorry for you, but this is my chance. You're, like, like, you're 35 you're, you can go get you're another you're job like i'm, I'm like, so important.
1: close i'm so i can touch it
0: exactly <laughs> i was so depressed and so but it wasn't long it was only like uh maybe a few weeks to a month and a half after that that i got that chance to go up and and record with gary so it all worked out
1: yeah it's so interesting um for the folks listening and who don't have an understanding of the inner workings, I guess, behind like formats and how how many types of formats are there? Um, Oh, there's a lot. Yeah.
0: I mean, so there's just in in a normal market, you've got a rock, which is an AOR. Um, That's just like mainstream rock. You've got classic rock. You've got um, alternative in some markets. So that's just the rock, right? Then you've got AC, which is adult contemporary hot AC, which is a little bit more funky adult contemporary chr which is straight up top 40 sometimes you've got urban sometimes you've got rap sometimes you've got uh then you've got country in all of its incarnations so you've got mainstream country you've got older country you've got classic country it's like
1: that's crazy you know
0: and that's just the normal market so what was that that was at least 10 probably 12 formats right yeah so there's there's a ton
1: yeah and then so you said and you said you had um uh you were drawn to more modern music at the time right
0: yeah so i started in top 40 music um that was kind of what i was into and then i i uh i got my ears on alternative rock and i never went back so at the time i mean when i was starting on the air it was still a top 40 radio station i was playing kind of the swv and bobby brown of the day (laughs) you know yeah, I was playing that yeah. song It Around." Do you remember that song?
1: Yeah, yeah, we're we're I think we're about in, in the same generation. Same Janet generation.
0: Jackson. What else? What else was uh TLC? What uh, else was going on back then?
1: Yeah, well, uh, it was a lot of yeah, a lot of the uh, yeah T- TLC right, Brand, Brand Brandy, Monique.
0: Yes, All there you time. go. Exactly. So I was playing that song. Do you remember "Natural Selection"? Do anything that song from "Natural Selection"?
1: "Natural Selection." I probably know it if I heard it, but
0: oh, hang on. I'm gonna grab. You can edit this out if you want, but I'm gonna grab a chord. I'm gonna I'm gonna find it. Hang on. Yeah. Um. So this is my first song I ever played on the air, <laughs> and uh, so I'll never forget it. But it's a piece of crap. It didn't do very well.
1: Did, um, you, did yeah. you have? Did you you were able to choose it?
0: It's um, no. So, um, sorry, typing and talking is hard to do. (laughs) (laughs) So what happens at a radio station is, uh, the program director will choose the music. So what happens is the program director chooses the music and then they schedule 24 hours in advance. So they take all of the requests that have come in. They take all of the, uh, record sales, market information, all of this, uh, all of these like stats and numbers and then they, they will program the next day's music. So when you call and request a song at a radio station, it, you know, you've, you've always called. I mean, you've heard somebody call and request a song at a radio station, and it's like they'll play the caller, and they'll start the song immediately yeah. right after. Or even during the call, they're like, hey, can I hear like Depeche Mode, you yeah. know, Strange Love? And then all of a sudden, it starts under the call, and they're still talking. That's because the caller was pre-recorded, right? Of course, yeah. And it could have been hours ago, but, you know, Depeche Mode was on the log for 2 o'clock. That call came in at noon. And so they just waited until the song came up. Usually what happens is a program director. Well, this is always what happens, especially now. There used to be some leeway, but now there's no leeway. Uh, The program director will set the music for an entire 24 hours. And then that's called the log. And they'll import the log into the computer, which puts all the songs in order. And the jock just plays them. And there's so much competition now that um and, and, and these this these songs are f- so fine-tuned to play in a specific order a specific time that if the jock nowadays uh varies from that most radio stations i mean that is that is your first warning you get three and you're fired wow you know it's that intense back in the day like when i started we had a little bit more leeway all right so check it out here's the song it to play tell me if you recognize this can you hear it yeah yeah we <laughs> anyway, you don't remember? That's how big the hit it was. That's, that was the that, first song I played on the radio, that, and I remember, I remember walking up that intro. This intro will always like be in my head, right? I'm like, um. <laughs> Q99, Utah's hit music station, uh, Tyson, and um, this is Natural Selection. It's called Do Anything on Q99. Hey, look, I can still post it. There you go. Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I should find that first air check. I still have it on a cassette somewhere and uh, and put it on my show because it would it would make people laugh, I'm sure. I remember shaking so hard after that. And I had to sit down for like 10 minutes. I didn't have another talk break for about 15 minutes after that. It took me 10 minutes to recover. But at the end of the four hours, I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, I, you know, could I, I could do
1: this. I could do this.
0: Yeah, because it's, it's way different being on the air than it is like practicing in the production room because of all the processing that goes out over the air. It's so crisp and it just sucks you in. And it's like, yeah. you know, everything in a production room is kind of flat and it's like, blah. So then when it goes on the air, the station processing takes over. So when you hear that first in your headphones... Uh, and you're not used to it, it's like, holy cow! And then, uh, wow, I sound good, you know? Yeah, <laughs> All of a sudden, they said sounded 28 instead of 14 or 15 or whatever it was.
1: Yeah, you were talking about, the Chris, a little bit, about how the production can make, just sort of break the, the sound of, of what you hear. And, and like you said, there's so much production that goes, post-production that goes on with the radio stations that uh, mm-hmm. they, they make everything just sound really, really nice.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, every station is, um, so you can, you can, in post, like when you record a promo or a commercial, whatever, and you put, and you assemble it, you can, uh, you can put processing on it there as well. But then the entire radio stations process too. So it's like this intense EQ system and, and, uh, you know, um, high pass filters and whatever. It's like, there's an entire rack in engineering that's just processing for the radio station. So the signal comes from, from the studio into engineering out to the mountain and then is broadcast. And, um, it, it it once it goes through engineering and out to the mountain, it's like, <laughs> you know,
1: <laughs> that track uh, has shades of uh, new edition, early new edition. Yeah, kind of did, huh? Yeah, it's some cool it now or something like that. So <laughs> yeah,
0: seriously, <laughs> harkening from the from the past there.
1: Yeah, that that music brings back memories, man.
0: <laughs> I know,
1: I, and I still have a, a lot of that on vinyls, and I just keep lugging it around the country.
0: I remember, uh, was it if? I can't remember the song from Janet Jackson. Um, I was like, man, I love this intro because it was like a 28 second intro and it was just rocking. And I would like, I'm one of those jocks that uh, you probably don't know this, but um, you can obviously adjust the the levels of the sound and stuff like that uh, with the board as you're talking. And I, I was really into like mixing a good show. Like some jocks will just kind of, turn it up just enough just so they can talk over to whatever i was like i would punch it like in my when i would take a breath i'd like punch the music up and bring it back down when i start talking again and i would i would play with the with the rhythm of the intro of the song especially when i was doing top 40 and it was almost like an art right it was like you know talking and then hitting the certain saying something at a certain beat of the of the song and then obviously hitting a post is shutting up right when they start singing and it's funny i can i can still feel it i don't have to have the timer in front of me yeah all this music i can still hit a post without even looking
1: yeah you play it yeah i get that too like i've played so many tracks so many times that like yeah you
0: know where they are
1: i start singing them when we're like out at a bar or something right and and then i keep singing the words and my friend's like you know all the words to this (laughs) song And I'm like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've played it like probably 100 or 200 times. Yeah, so. I can
0: feel it now. Even a new music, I can feel when it comes. And generally about 80% of the time I'm right. It was funny when I was uh, when I just got into radio and I was, uh, you know, in, in high school and uh, we'd be going around. I was such a geek. So dumb. We'd be driving around and my friends would put it on the station I work at. And therefore, I recognize the clock. So radio, has, they all have hour clocks. So at the top of the hour, there's an ID and then there's generally like, you know, one song and a sweeper, which is the, which is, you know, the, the station voice going oh, Q99 you know, in, in between yeah. the song or whatever. So, and then there's the first talk break or whatever. And so the, the, this clock just tells you what to play in, in what order every hour. And so um, I knew the clocks of the radio stations and so I'd, they'd turn on the radio and they'd, look, you know, I, they'd be like, dude, what's coming up next? I'd look at my watch and I'd be like, sweeper and another song and then at the end of that song, it'd be like... 299 is another song they'd be like that's awesome and then i'd be like yeah they're gonna talk next that's so and funny. uh and so yeah they'd be like that's cool and then they'd be like walk up a song and so uh, it's so dumb but i would like you know some song would come on i would know when a sweeper was gonna hit so the jock wouldn't talk and they'd, they'd make me like do a break in the car and then hit the post <laughs> and they were like dude that's awesome <laughs> What sixteen-year-olds would do. It's that, so dumb. Yeah, totally. I look, I look geek- back and it's like, oh, so dumb. But you're, you're
1: totally geeking out on that stuff. It was
0: fun. I mean, it was you know really new for me because I was just getting into the business and I was having the time of my life. And you know, they were kind of living vicariously through me. All my friends would come to my remotes, you know, hoping yeah. for concert tickets, but I'd I'd have to say no.
1: So you went into this and. When, when did you start doing it full time? Like this is like, is it like shortly after you, you got the gig at like 16 or 17 or you kind of worked eased your way into um, it?
0: I can't remember if I was 16 or 17 when I, when I actually started getting like full time. And then I was in high school, I think it was a senior. So must've been like 17 or yeah. close to 18. So I'd worked there part time for a while and then I got my full time night shift.
1: And so this was literally like on the job training, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was the best part of it. I mean, nowadays it would be so hard to get that done. But yeah, so I would just show up. So when I was an intern, I would just show up and, um, excuse me, every day I wanted to learn something new. So uh, once I got the studio equipment down and learned the clocks of the radio station, I'd move on. So then I'd go into the production room and they actually would give me a script and said, here, record this 30 second commercial. And the first time I did that, it took me all day long, right? But then I finally got it done, and, um, and and to the client's approval. And so, you know, uh, that day I did production. So the next like month, I would, I would work on voiceover. I'd work on um, hitting that sweet spot in the microphone and learning how to manipulate my voice on commercials. Because in commercials, it's more it's more acting than it is on air. On air, yeah. it's like you kind of feel. At least I do. I feel the intro of the music, and I kind of run my cadence to that intro. So if it's kind of low, I start low. And if it builds, I build. You know, if it's bush, I start high. If it's, you know, I just feel the music and I talk accordingly. Uh, but on a commercial, you kind of have to feel like, okay, you're doing a car commercial. You want more energy. You're doing a commercial about, you know, Viagra, whatever it is. You got to kind of bring it down to be more sensitive, you know, and you got to choose the appropriate music and stuff like that. And so yeah. that was fun to learn. And then when I got that done, I'd go to engineering. I'd be like, what does this do? Tell me about the processing. How do you adjust this? And so. I've learned pretty much all aspects of a radio station. In fact, I was just um, last year, uh, just until last August, I was the program director of an alternative radio station here in Salt Lake City until another company bought it and changed formats and I quit. Suckers! Um, (laughs) But uh, I was the only PD that would go back into engineering and I tweaked the processing on the radio station because I didn't like how it sounded. I was like, this does not... Uh, convey the sound of that I wanted this alternative radio station. This is more of kind of a of an AC, kind of a top 40 sound. I want this to be a little bit more rock driven. I want it to be backed off, though, not so much active rock, but kind of in between. And I, would, I, I went in the back and I, you know, engineers like, here's the password for the processing because it's all digitally password coded. Yeah, so yeah. nobody can, you know, come down and start messing with it because it's the overall sound of the radio station. So I go back into work at at night um, when the night jocks out, and I'm like, "Hey, dude, just to let you know, I'm going to be messing with the processing, but I want you to let me know your your thoughts." And uh, yeah, I totally changed the processing and how the EQ and everything of the radio station was, and it's funny because you know saw a little bit of a bump in in uh, ratings after that too. It's, you have to think about all of those things when you when you develop a, a radio station, not just all music and presentation of the jocks it's also how it sounds coming out of the speakers in different cars too you know i'd get in my car I'd put it on the set and get in my car and drive around for 10 minutes <laughs> you know and kind of see how it sounded in the car is vis-a-vis of the studio which is like a, a really nice stereo
1: yeah so, yeah yeah the car example is interesting because when um i've produced a couple of uh tracks i would have monitors in my not soundproofed uh office and then yeah. i'm like man i really need to understand like how this sounds in like a a semi studio environment i just got into the car i just yeah. <laughs> put the track on closed the doors and i had a pretty decent uh sound system in the car and then and, and then i was like okay this this sounds pr- much mu- much much different and I, <laughs> you, you could hear things that you wouldn't hear when you're in the in the uh office yeah. studio yeah no
0: that's important because i mean i know for radio 90% of all radio listening is done in a car
1: you yeah. know that's a good point too.
0: So, I mean, I'm sure your music's close to the same.
1: Yeah. So did the the uh, the voiceovers. When did that start? Because uh, you were you were picking that up, right? The the tips on how to do that.
0: Yeah, I didn't start voiceover until I was in my mid twenties, though. Okay. So, I was on the air for a long time, and um, it was funny because I had this I had this great boss. Um, his name is Mike Stalker, and uh, I I kind of came off the air for a while. Kept on doing on air, but came off full time. Um, and, and went full time into what's called production. And that's the voicing and imaging of radio stations and creating commercials for for the radio stations. And I wanted to, you know, I hadn't done that yet. And I've been on the air for well over 10 years at this point. And so I, I stayed on the air part time, but I came off and, and was in a you know, recording studio all day long making commercials. And it's cool because I'd taken some acting classes in college. So that helped. And uh, I really hone my voiceover skills there. Most agents, if a radio DJ comes in, will say, not interested. I don't want a pukey radio DJ, dude. <laughs> I mean, like, like you said before, are you always like this? Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, I can turn it on and off. It's like, but most radio DJs, they all talk like this. And a lot of them do. They like talk all the time like this. Hey, bro, what's up? You know, and the agent's like, get the hell out of my agency because none of my clients want a radio DJ. Or they'd go to a radio station and you know pay for the fifty bucks for a radio DJ to do it. Yeah. So they want a true voiceover artist, and so I took another ten years there, and uh, and honed that craft, and uh, still 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 working on it. Um, and and started doing um, radio commercials for not only my group, but it was great because um, I came to be my my mentor, my boss at the time was a was a great voiceover actor too, and then he kind of. Um, so he instructed me for years. And then after that, it's like, we kind of not separated, but we were still in the same department, still the same radio group, but there were seven stations. And so I take care of some, he'd take care of the rest and we'd kind of just, you know, share commercial load. So our voice isn't always on the radio station. We had a good mix and we hired out, uh, two other female voices and two other male voices, one a little younger and one, one way older, like in his sixties. And one of the females could do children. So we were covered. And so at that point, it's like people started coming to me to, to voice their commercials. And then I would get paid. Um, when the, wh- what happens when you're a voiceover artist? Um, you get paid like on a 13-week uh, flight. So the, the flight usually is 13 weeks long and you get paid a set amount. And then if it goes over that, if they, if they use it past 13 weeks, they pay you again. And even though I was working at a radio station, we worked it out with management that they would – it was almost a mini agency. So they would uh, invoice for us. We'd invoice through the station. They'd get paid because if the client didn't pay, then they could go to collections. And so we always got paid on time in our, in our paycheck without having to collect this money, and it was side money. Okay. And my boss was so good at letting the station – or talking the station into realizing the talent they had in the building and to let us do this on the side. And there were about three years in a row that I made – the same amount of money as my paycheck from the radio station and outside work. Cause I had built up over time, all these clients that just every time that they wanted a commercial made, they'd come to me. So it was either my voice or somebody else's voice, but I would always produce it and then send it out. house to play in the rest of the market and I get paid for it. So that was awesome. So then I got, you know, my agent and, um, the rest is history. So (laughs) I just keep on, it's a skill. You just got to keep on practicing, you know, it's,
1: it's, uh, I'm I'm gonna like um, mark this episode as like uh, broadcasting 101. I think (laughs) (laughs) there's so much, so many nuggets of information in here. Like for folks who want, like really, like the the back room uh, workings of of what's going on. I I think it's it's fascinating stuff, and um, I'm gonna continue to refer people to this episode going forward. Can I make a plug? Of
0: course. I'm working on a product called Podcast Innovations. You can get it at PodcastInnovations.com. And basically, it's a uh, it's an advanced podcasting course. So I'm gonna I'm pretty sure I'm gonna put the basics out there for free. Yeah, like how to get started because you can get that anywhere. But the inside uh, stuff that will be you know kind of paid for will be stuff like this. I've got voiceover artists ready, and we're gonna start uh, uh, teaching skills that way. It's gonna be really in depth, and I'm using all of my access from the broadcast industry to bring together all of these great people and also my knowledge to teach. Like way beyond podcasting, way beyond podcasting basics. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. So we'll get you on, but then after that, you can, I mean, with my course or courses, I guess, with my, the access to podcast innovations, if you want to become a voiceover artist, you will have that
1: access. That's sweet. And, 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 and other, so yeah. So thanks for laying up that uh, transition for me from radio into podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> So when did you become aware of what folks were doing in podcasting, or did you always have it like uh, on the on your radar?
0: Oh no, it's always been there because we would podcast the radio station. So our morning show, we would we would upload that as a podcast. We've been doing that for years. And um, about was it 2010? I think it was 2010. I um, I finally got with um, I decided I want to do to do a podcast, but I wasn't sure. It's like you know, I have this voiceover studio in my basement and I would really like to use it um, outside of doing some voiceover auditions and doing some jobs. And I thought, you know, I just kind of want to get and try out a podcast it'd be fun other than, you know, putting the morning show on the air. Um, and so I decided to, uh, to launch a podcast and I got with this clinical psychologist that would come in on the radio station and morning show and do a 20 minute segment. I got with him. He's awesome. His name is Matt Woolley. He yeah. works at the University of Utah and uh in psychology and we we started a show called the shrink show and we just had fun and it grew to we when i shut it down he finally had to go and do something else and for liability's sake because he is a psychologist and we had the disclaimers on and people could still access it i i I had to take all of it off the internet so the website i had to take it down from stitcher and and itunes and stuff which is really sad because they were really good shows but um we did that for about a year and a half. Gone to 144 countries. Had this wow. great base. Was given away. I mean, we did giveaways. and We had guests on. We had, uh, you know, Brandon Campbell from Neon Trees because he's an autistic kid. We had on uh, one of the guys who won the Biggest Loser. Yeah. Um, you know, and some other cool guests too. But then, I don't know. We were just quirky with it. It was fun. Yeah. So I, I, I-
1: I was looking for it because I, I saw it in one of the uh, your interviews that you you know talk about your hobbies and you're like podcasting. I think this was 2012, and you mentioned the shrink show, and I was like, oh, okay. Let me look it up, and I looked it up, yeah. and domain is not non-existent. Yeah, does it still show up in Google searches? <laughs> uh, I I didn't I didn't look, but the actual domain didn't return anything. But it might, it, there, yeah. might there might be some. There's the uh,
0: every once in a while I'll see something like on Pinterest, and I'll be like, oh crap, I gotta take that down because it goes to nothing now. You know, I use Pinterest a lot because we had our, our little. Like I don't know. I would go and get a stock photo and put, and almost make a meme for every show, and like yeah. upload that to my Pinterest account and crap like that. And yeah, so I keep on, it keeps on like bubbling up. It, it won't take you anywhere because it's now the URL is dead and it's gone. But. Yeah, it's sad. It was so, uh, a
1: good show. So you, so you were working on your show. Um, were you aware of what folks were doing? Because probably around 2006, seven-ish. You know, for some folks, you know, even a little bit earlier. But that's sort of like the the beginnings of this um, the Adam Carolla phase, I guess. Uh, yeah. For, and were you watching what was happening there and taking an interest in that as well? Because it was interesting with Adam Carolla because he was on radio and then mm-hmm. he got fired and he said, Okay, I got no other choice but to try this out of my own.
0: Right. No, I because um, I'm a radio geek and I and I love the industry, um, have you are you familiar with Southern California radio at all? Uh, no. So I used to I, I still do. I listen to K Rock, K R O Q. Okay. Um in, in L A. And it's an alternative station, like the best in, in in the world I swear. And Corolla was on that for a long time. And so I kind of followed his career through that. And then when he went off and did his own morning show, and then when the new PPM, which is a a, a measurement system for radio came out, um, it kind of changed everything. And, and it re you know, it kind of put some stations under and, and some jocks were affected by it. And he was one of those shows that was affected by it because he was being paid a buttload of money and the new rating system came back. And, and you know, instead of him being in the top five, he's now in the, t- you know, in the bottom 20. And when, The suits see that, you know, and they don't give it a a chance. They start cutting, and he was cut. And so that's when he started his podcast. And so I would listen here and there to his podcast just because I I like him a lot. Um, But I wasn't heavily following it until about 2011 when I was kind of thinking I wanted to do the podcast. And I listened to Corolla. It was good. And, you know, he was getting newer equipment and really taking it seriously at that point. But then I discovered Pat Flynn in this world, right? And then from there on, it was over. It was like, holy cow, these guys are making money online more than I thought that you know would be possible. And so, I mean, I still didn't take action to to like try to do what they were doing um, until now. You know, with podcast innovations, that's hopefully going to be something. But um, yeah, so I mean, I, I it was like it's 2011 that I really started delving into at least the entrepreneurship part of podcasting. But I've been following other podcasts up until then.
1: Yeah, and the uh, the entrepreneurial podcast scene i guess is I, I don't know if it's saturated yet but uh i'm pretty sure it's it's getting there yeah
0: i don't know if it's saturated because it's um you know it's true that there's a ton coming on every day but there's also a lot going away every day or a lot stop stopping their their content yeah you know um and i, I think we're in our infancy man yeah i have i have thoughts on where radio is going and the the move from terrestrial listening to on online listening and podcast listening and you know i think in the next 5 years there's going to be um some big waves happening in in the broadcast industry with radio and and apps and stuff like that so so,
1: so dig into that a little bit more um what are your thoughts about that cuz i did want to ask you you know you've got a unique perspective on the industry and on podcasting what mm-hmm. w- 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 what do you see happening in in the five in the f- upcoming 5 years all
0: right so these are my thoughts and my thoughts only it's not bible but you know being in the industry for a while radio is still very strong and most people get the new music from radio. However, the younger generation, um, still listens to radio, but there, there are other options out there. So my thoughts are this, um, and these companies are super smart, Disney and clear channel, Clear channel owns like a gajillion radio stations. Every, every yeah. market, almost every market in the U S has a clear channel radio station. And they're like, you know, the conglomerate from radio. But, um, they developed iHeartRadio, right? So it was first it was just an app to listen to their radio stations. And then they were like they they got brilliant and they 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 changed it and now it's it's like another Stitcher or Pandora. It's 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 an app where you can go and not only listen to their radio stations, but you can listen to any format, you can listen to any one personality and they will build stations on it. You can put in a song it'll build a station for you. It's very interactive. And now they've they've done their their iHeartRadio Music Awards. And their iHeartRadio, this and that, and the other, and the iHeartRadio. They everything's iHeartRadio. I swear they're going to change all the names of their radio stations in every market to, you know, iHeartRadio One, iHeartRadio yeah. Two, iHeartRadio
1: Three, iHeartRadio oh, Disco, iHeartRadio Yeah, com- country, right, iHeartRadio
0: yeah. yeah. CHR, iHeartRadio yeah. Top Forty, iHeartRadio Alternative. Yeah. Um But it's brilliant because I would not be surprised. So what they're doing is they're training their audience to when they're not, when they're not listening terrestrially. Which is a lot of the time, really, outside of your car. When are you listening to a terrestrial radio station? Yeah,
1: I don't, never, unless never. you're at the
0: dentist's office. Yep, right. You're at your desk. You're streaming. You're somewhere else. You're streaming. Um, if you're listening at all, so they're they're training their their massive audience to listen to iHeart and to still be their massive audience, but on a new platform, and it's working really well. And so, I can see them taking. In their smaller markets and especially some stations that are not profitable, taking those stations, getting rid of them, selling them back to the government, maybe either selling them to another owner or I can see them just leasing it back to the government and having the government buy them back because we need more bandwidth for data yep. for our cell phones and for all these devices, right? And that, that it's all part of the radio spectrum. It's certain parts of the spectrum. And so if they sell some of this back, they can use that to bolster their, their data streams and... Clear Channel's happy because they still have a radio station. They don't have the stick, the tower, all the the costs surrounding that. All they need is their little radio studio or really a computer and their iHeartRadio app. Done. They've got a built-in audience. They retain their audience. They can market to their audience. They can sell advertising to their audience or to customers who want to advertise to their audience. But they don't have this huge overhead for the radio stations, right? So I can see that happening. Is it going to happen? I don't know. But I can really see that happening. And I can see, like in Salt Lake City, it's nuts. We are over-radioed here. We have over 65 radio stations in Salt Lake City. That's more radio stations per capita than anywhere else in the United States. We out, we outdo New York, Los wow. Angeles, Chicago. I, I want to buy 40 of them and just turn them off. You know? Yeah. So I can see a, a, a market like Salt Lake and even some other markets that have, you know, 20 radio stations now in five years, maybe having 10 or five. Uh, I don't think terrestrial Radio is ever going to go away fully, but I think it's going to morph. And with every car in the next five years and even now becoming Wi-Fi hotspots. Yeah. Bluetooth. You know, it's, yeah. And, and all of this Apple Radio, Pandora, all this stuff is already integrated in, in these vehicles. It's so easy to just get your content online and um i'm hoping that apple will um they they say big things are coming for podcasting i'm hoping that they're going to integrate podcasting in their in dash uh in these automobiles that they're you know getting contracts with when they put apple their apple in dash in these cars yeah they've
1: got a couple i think they've got a couple cars that they're doing it already i forgot what cartoons they do i don't remember who it is either yeah i i was thinking about I uh, recently bought a car so I was thinking of getting that uh, yeah. in in the car but right now like my car came with um XM radio the the three the three month subscription to XM yeah. and I'm really thinking about it you know in the past I would like to, I'd like the opportunity to have different stations to listen to but when I think about the hundreds of stations that are on there, I mean, I would probably listen to two or three. Yeah. And, and when, even when I turn those on, I'd like maybe 20% of what they're playing. So I'm like, I got tons better music on my iPhone. I'm just going to Bluetooth it. And that's, yeah. that's my new radio.
0: Yeah. And see, I do the same thing. I get in my car. I Bluetooth my, my phone uh, with the app that I listen to K rock on. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm hearing CD quality music from Los Angeles. So it kind of freaks me out when they do the traffic report. But other than that, i'm listening to some great content um and you know and i think that'll just expand as this technology um is you know peripherally more and with the right um in dash device you will be able to get any streaming content from anywhere in the world really
1: yeah Yeah, and you can do it now on your phone so i think exactly it's
0: it's always in your pocket right
1: yeah i think i agree we're definitely in a really exciting time when it comes to uh you know podcasting and and just the future of broad- broadcasting, if you will as as well
0: and the cool thing about it is there are a lot of podcasts that outdo radio station for uh, programming. Some programming radio stations are just so i yeah. mean it costs so much that they're just like put something on and, and automate it somehow, but it 's junk and there's a lot of podcasters out there doing extremely good work, and so um, it's anybody's oyster really you don't have to have a background of podcasting. <laughs> Or broadcast if you want want to you know be if you want to be a broadcaster you need to spend a little time to learn how to use your voice maybe how to yeah. use the microphone correctly not being over here as Michael O'Neill says <laughs> don't be over here you know it's like and he's totally right there's a sweet spot in a microphone you should use it learn huh? how to use your voice and make some killer kick ass content put it out there and uh, you know you can be right up there with your favorite radio station in a few years.
1: And I think the folks that are succeeding now that don't come from a broadcasting background are demonstrating that what you're saying is actually true. Yeah. And one of the I got a, I got a pet peeve on radio. What you know? And I listen to a radio station. This is one of the reasons I don't listen. Like, okay, I I turn it on and it's like uh, uh, Madonna's uh, whatever like a prayer is on. And I'm like, what Oh, kind they, of, what they, kind of radio
0: they, station are you listening they, to? No, it's the
1: eighties. I'm on the eighties on, oh, okay. on XM. So I listen to some eighties stuff. I'm like, Oh, okay, Madonna's truck. I literally like get back in the car like and two hours later and it's the same song again, and I'm like, "Come on, the '80s." There's like uh, t- t- <laughs> a t- billion t- songs, a billion songs from the '80s that you could play, or if you just you could spend the whole year just playing number one hits, like yeah. literally, like you can't find another song to play, or even another <laughs> Madonna song. Like, well,
0: here's what happens in radio, and it sounds like if that '80s station is an '80s station, they've they've segmented the '80s station, they've segmented the '80s um, <clears throat> decade, right? And they're they're probably focusing. They probably said, "Look, if this." If this radio station, which is an 80s station, let's put it in 1984 and run it like we're in 1984, and it's going to be a top 40 80s radio station. So then, so here's what happens in radio. It's all about radio listening only happens usually in a car, like I said, and we're lucky if you give us seven minutes of your time. Uh, an hour, right? Yeah. And generally most people only listen to maybe an hour a little bit more of radio uh, in an entire week. And so we're judged on a quarter hours. So, to get our listening, you have to listen for at least 5 minutes in a quarter hour for us to get for for it to count in ratings. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um and it's your your mass audience. You're not just one person, right? You're you're talking to hundreds of thousands of people and you're broadcasting to hundreds of thousands of people. So, here's what happens. Um, there is, so I'm just going to say alternative because that's what I do. So there's categories A's, B's, and C's. A's, there's only usually five songs in that category and they rotate um, about every 90 minutes. B's, there's about seven songs in that category and they rotate about every hour. C's, there's about five songs in that category and they rotate slower maybe every, maybe once an hour or so. Out of that five songs, it takes five hours to rotate through all of them. And then you've got your golds, which are like, you know, your 90s and then your, your 80s if you play that deep. <clears throat> and your 2000s are kind of more in between. So what happens is every hour is broken up too. Our, our goal is to, you're going to hear a hit song every, in the 15 minute. Like we, we program to 15 minute segments. So yeah. you're going to hear an A, which is a hit song, right? It's like the biggest and baddest song right now. You're going to hear a 90s song, which was freaking awesome in the 90s next. Then you're going to hear a 2000 song, which wasn't a two years ago, you know, like a Mumford and Sons or something like that or or whatever. And then you're going to hear a new
1: song um, and then it starts over again. It's so interesting to hear it broken down like that, that it's such a formula.
0: So, yeah, it's definitely formula. And that's why I was talking about before. If a jock messes up with the music rotation, if they if they play something else without getting an OK from the program director, it's like He's your ass is on the line <laughs> because it's. It's such a formula because we want to retain that listener, even another thirty seconds. Yeah, you know that makes all the difference. So in an hour, if you come in and out, nobody usually spends fifteen minutes in an hour. But we get we get credit if you spend two minutes here and like three minutes there, and then if it adds up to over five minutes in an hour, boom, that's cool. We get like a quarter hour.
1: When you talk, when you mention that, what comes to mind is uh, to put it in common terms, is what happens with Twitter and the reason a lot of people post what seems to be a ton of stuff. But when you think about the fact that you probably are on Twitter once or twice a day and you you could repeat the same message 10 times and people would probably only see it once.
0: Right. And if you have 400 Twitter followers as opposed to 4,000 Twitter followers, you're also that message will be diluted. If you have 400, you'll see it more often. If you have 4,000, you might not even see it. Correct. Unless you're scrolling through your, your wall, you know what I'm saying? Or yeah. whatever it's called, your feed.
1: Your feed. Yeah. So, so uh, we've got a couple more minutes here. I, I want to talk to you about your show, uh, the Go For It show. Um, what are your plans? You're up to about episode 30, 34, I think. Was it 34 or, or 36? Or four. Yeah, something like that. But uh, so I don't even know. How, yeah, how,
0: my next show is going to be 37.
1: <laughs> how is it? You know, real quickly how how's it been going for you, and then what what are your plans for it, and you know any any thoughts on what you might change going forward?
0: Yeah, so I'm constantly changing stuff going forward, like um, the branding of it, especially because I'm a marketing guy, and I I still hate my branding, but whatever. I like the logo, but everything else kind of sucks. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> be messing with it. But for the show itself, really, it's a motivational show. Really. Um, I wanted to after the shrink show went away, I wanted to continue a podcast and I really wanted to start teaching people how to how to podcast uh well and and bring people up to a broadcast level and then beyond if they wanted to do that. Uh there's a lot of great content out there that has a really crappy audio attached to it. And so it's kind of a pet peeve of mine since it's such an audiophile that yeah. I would love to teach these people how to how to expand, and especially if they wanted to do it as a business or give a business or, or an entrepreneur a voice in this noisy world. That's kind of what I I, I want to do on the side. But uh, the Go For It show is really just my um, it's my outlet to have fun. And when I was thinking about a new podcast to do, um, I was talking with my wife, and I'm like, I just don't know what kind of format to do. I know I want to do something, but you know, it'd be really cool if I could, you know, I don't know. It sounds so cliche, but if I could help people, or if I could, you know, that's kind of where the podcast innovations came in. I want to help people to broadcast better. But, um, but then I started just thinking back at some bands that I was uh, interviewing, like Able Nation and, you know, Fitz and all these recent bands. And, and I would always ask, what, what, what's your advice for the, for the budding uh, musician? What's your advice for somebody who wants to be where you are? And it clicked and I'm like, I'm going to interview people from all walks of life, successful people who are where somebody else wants to be. Yeah. So if they are really if they're an online entrepreneur who's kicking ass, if it's a band, if it's an athlete, whomever, I'm going to get their story and I'm going to I'm going to have them tell their story um, through the podcast so that people can come and listen. And hopefully they'll get some nugget of information that will help them in their life, something that they can either immediately implement or some kind of motivation or some kind of, OK, good. Somebody else has gone through this. Now I kind of see how to navigate my life.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And the quality comes through because I I can, in the interviews that I've heard, um, you definitely have done your research on your guests and it it probably comes from your, your background of, of one always wanting to be prepared when, when you're on the air.
0: Yeah, it very much does. Yeah. It's funny because I've been interviewing people for so long. Generally, I, I mean, I have a, a, a basic format for the show, but I don't have a lot of questions other than my social experiment questions. Um, I just kind of wing it. I get into a conversation. and kind of like we're doing now. Yeah. I let the conversation go where it's going to go um, unless I need to reel it in. But generally, it goes in such interesting places that I just let it go. And I just continue to ask as if I were the listener. Yeah. And that's, that's what a really good interviewer does. They listen and then they, they ask. If you're structured, if you're too structured and have to rely on your, your formatted questions, then I think it gets fatiguing and you're going to lose out on a lot of really cool information that you could possibly get.
1: And for folks who want just something a, a, a nugget of information that they uh, may not have otherwise not known about you, uh, you're apparently a huge Star Wars fan, and you have a uh, and you huge have, and you have a, a, a movie quality Darth Vader. Let me see if I can see this <laughs> from, from what I from what I hear. Oh, yes, I see it. Awesome. I,
0: think I, <laughs> see if I can get it closer. I'll take it off my headphones for a second. Yeah. You might have to edit.
1: Okay, I'm go- I'm going to uh, give the play by play here. Tyson is actually walking around in his really cool studio, and he's taking showing me the the head of Darth Vader with Lord a trooper. <laughs> stormtrooper <laughs> below Vader's it. Awesome! He's definitely geeking out on Star Wars. He's got two stormtrooper. That's
0: a clone trooper.
1: A clone like trooper. It looks like Boba Fett.
0: And the, the guitar. It's hard to see. <laughs> That's fun. Do you want to hear how geeky I am about Star Wars? Of course. Have you ever heard of the 501st?
1: The 501st?
0: Yeah, so it's this Star Wars fandom, um, almost cosplay group.
1: Uh, Are you there? Yeah, I'm here.
0: Okay, my screen went dark and my computer, like, fully totally <laughs> blacked out, so it, it was weird. Yeah. Um, okay, so I thought I might have, might have lost you. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I was a part of this group for a while. It's called the Five Hundred First, and uh, they do a lot of charity functions for Lucas. And when Lucas released um, episodes, what one, two, and three—the the last three, but the first three—yeah, um, this this whole like almost cosplay type Star Wars thing kind of got turned up again. And I've always been a huge Darth Vader fan. I told my wife, I'm like would you help me make a darth vader costume for for halloween but then i did this and i and i got some really cool pieces and she quilted the whole like bodysuit and stuff like that yeah and it was amazing um and then um i had such a great response to it and it was reached out by this group and said hey could you come and like be our vader for us we do we go to hospitals and we you know we we help kids organizations and We just kind of spread the Star Wars love. And I'm like, yeah, but hang on. Give me like two months. And so I sold (laughs) that entire costume. And I went, these people were doing this stuff underground. So my helmet is actually an exact pull from the mold used in Empire Strikes Back. Somebody at Lucasfilm. No way. Borrowed, borrowed the mold, made a copy of it, took it back before anybody really realized. So it's an exact copy of the one used in Empire that I use. Can
1: Can you talk through that?
0: You have, well, I have a voice changer in it, like, ah. like, so. I have a microphone, and I've practiced the the James Earl Jones stuff, and it's, it's connected to a like a speaker, right? But then I've got this iPod shuffle, like the very first. Remember the very first iPod shuffles that were just, yeah. um, like thumb drives? Yeah, I've got one of those that just has the Vader breathing looped on it, and I like stuff it in my my pocket and it's attached to another uh, to another speaker. So the entire time, I'm like. Oh. You know, it sounds totally cool and I can talk over it. So it amazes kids because I'm like, you are not a Jedi yet. And they're like, ah. but uh, yeah, the whole thing is custom made to fit me. But all the parts that I could are pulls from the movie. So like the he wears... um shin guards that's a pull off i think actually the return of the jedi suit okay so it totally went underground and, and paid a lot of money but i've got a movie quality darth vader
1: costume that is <laughs> that's how so geeky awesome. i am that is so freaking awesome
0: yeah i no. don't do it much anymore they're like hey when are you gonna come uh troop with us they call it drooping <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, i love I love how you got your own uh lingo too for all this stuff yeah
0: too. I'm busy, guys. Sorry. That was like 15 years ago I did this, but no, I still have it displayed in
1: my house. It's going to come back. You excited about uh, J.J. Abrams? Oh, no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love what he's doing with Star Trek. I've never been a big Star Trek fan, but I love what he's doing with that, but I'm afraid for Star Wars. I'm afraid it's not going to look right. But we'll see.
1: It can't be any worse than Jar Jar Binks, right?
0: Oh, seriously. (laughs) Lucas killed his own franchise. So.
1: Well, Tyson, thank you so much. You've been super generous with your time. I had uh, a blast, and I'm sure we could. So did I. Probably go for another hour. Or so um, we'll do we'll do take we'll do part two in a month. How's which, that? Yeah, we will, man. <laughs> That'd be fun. A, a month in podcasting uh, time is, is it's like is, four years. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm happy for you to come on. So
0: thank you. Thanks so, for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Wishing you the best of luck with the show, and I'll continue to listen. Um, and so where's the best place for folks to, to just keep track of what, what you got going on?
0: So you can check out my podcast at uh, GoForItShow.com. Um, all the social media links are there. But if you want to hit Twitter, it's at Tyson Webb, And I, you have to spell it with an E. It's T-Y-S-E-N. My parents were nuts. They spelled my name with an E, which I actually kind of like.
1: Not like the chicken.
0: Yeah, Not like the chicken, exactly. <laughs> There's no O in it. So it's Tyson with an E, Web two Bs on Twitter. And then um, same thing on Facebook, or you can like the go for it Show. On Facebook as well. It's just facebook.com slash go for it, show
1: awesome! Thanks again, Tyson. Have a Thank fa- you. fantastic day. You too, man. Okay, I warned you, Tyson is indeed a super Star Wars fanboy, almost said Star Trek. <laughs> he wouldn't have appreciated that. I got a ton of behind the scenes info on. The workings of uh, radio and broadcasting and the decisions they make that seem ridiculous when you're on the listener side of things. And I think just his perspective is uh, pretty fresh, having been at it for over 20 years. And he, I, I like uh, the things he's saying. And, and I think I what he's going to do with his podcast Innovations product sounds really interesting and it's going to bring a fresh perspective into that space so i'm definitely going to keep my eyes on that i think that's going to be um, something that uh, i might want to actually take part in so podcast junkies.com slash 14 full show notes for everything we touched upon here uh, as always we love and live off of ratings um and reviews in iTunes. So uh, if you please would go ahead and do that, it helps build the show's uh, growth and momentum. And it's just a nice thing to do, right? In the feedback section of the show notes, you can get the details to uh, iTunes and Stitcher and leave us a review. So uh, we definitely want to know how the show is working for you. And uh, you hear me say it after every episode. And I just can't say it enough uh, because... Uh, We we love the feedback and, uh, you know, you get the picture. So I've got um, some interesting guests coming up in the future, uh, hopefully next couple of weeks. And um, I'm really excited about them. They're not in the entrepreneurial or podcasting or broadcasting space for that matter. But uh, there's some names that I've come across who have a very interesting story to tell and uh, hopefully I'll be able to to get those lined up and out to you guys that's about all I can say about that <laughs> so consider it uh, some sort of cliffhanger as to what's to come so thanks again for the feedback I've gotten so far guys really really helpful and I just finished uh, an interview on uh, another show that's uh, a good friend of mine and I'm looking forward uh, to when that's published and uh, I'll let you know when that's available and you can listen for that. I had a lot of fun doing that as well. So for those listening out for the outro music, it, this week it's from Tom Veck and the song is called The Tongue Avoids the Teeth. So I started this last uh, episode and I'm going to probably continue it on this one just for the sake of avoiding any drama from the copyright police. So I'm not going to be having the... Um, the music in here but uh, I'm gonna go through uh, George's description it's London's (laughs) like I was gonna screw that up this is staying in London's eclectic one man band Tom Veck returns with his third album Luck A departure in production from his days recording in his parents garage the album finds the artist in familiar territory building where he left off on his second album Leisure Seizure combining electronic music with indie rock Punk with Dance and influences like New Wave and Garage, The Tongue Avoids the Teeth is a standout track as it finds the artist embracing the old and new in beautiful symmetry. So come on, with a description like that, don't tell me you don't want to check out this track on the show notes page. PodcastJunkies.com slash fourteen. Have a fantastic uh, week, day, year, month, night. See you guys.